Hey, to all the real estate professionals out there, I want to let you know the Buyer's Mind is sponsored by Homebridge Financial. Homebridge loan officers are experts in new home financing, and they bring sales ideas and strategies and market intelligence and programs that will help sell homes. To learn more about that, go to builder.homebridge.com. Homebridge Financial, home financing made easy. Hey, are you looking for a calm voice in some turbulent times? Well, we can help on today's episode of The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Well, welcome, everyone, once again to The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, and we got a really special treat for you. You know, I'm trying to line up people who can really give us wisdom in turbulent times. Last week, we had Anthony Iannarino. He and I talked about the psychology of fear and how to not let fear reign. And today, we're going to take a really, really positive look at what we can learn about the world, about each other, and about ourselves uh, in these times. I was so thrilled when we sit down and ask, who do we want on the podcast uh, this week to really bring that positive message? And of course, our, my mind went right to Bob Berg, and uh, we're so thrilled to have the great Bob Berg. Let's listen to what he has to say. Well, we're just so thrilled to have back on the buyer's mind, Bob Berg. We've we've had him on before. If you don't know who Bob Berg is, you really need to get out more. Uh, the author of a number of books, of course, the Go Giver series, Endless Referrals, uh, and a prolific uh, blogger, podcaster, and one of the just great voices of reason out there in a world that sometimes goes insane, especially in days like this. And I was sitting around with my team saying, "Hey, who do we want to have on the podcast here, real, real soon, uh, that can give us?" a really, really healthy dose of perspective. And somebody said, what about Bob Berger? I said, yes, absolutely. So we reached out. Bob was good enough to carve some time out of his busy schedule. Uh, so thrilled to have him back on the buyer's mind. Uh, even more thrilled to call him a good friend of mine, Bob Berg. Bob, welcome back to the program. Thanks for making time for us. Hey, Brother Jeff. Just always a, a pleasure and, a, and an honor to get to speak with you. Thank you for having me. Let, let's have some fun. Uh, I, I want to start here. Um, you know, I was... Uh, Seth Godin, he, he of course he writes his blog every single day, and and today just a fantastic blog post. Uh, whenever you're in the audience, whenever you're listening to this, uh, the the blog post is entitled "Calm." Also has a coefficient, and uh, it he talks about how quickly panic spreads and how slowly calm spreads, and uh, the need for calm at a time like we're at right now, uh, and yet uh, others seem to be calling for panic. It was really really well written. And I just want to start there a little bit, uh, Bob, because I've always read you as uh, the the calm voice, as the adult in the room here, the voice of reason when things are going a, a little bit askew. And uh, I, I just wanted to get your take right out of the gate on, on Seth Godin's comments. Oh, thank you. You know, this is one of the few Seth columns I, I didn't read. I, I haven't read that one, so I'm glad you brought that up. But was it, was it one of his typical, like, two-sentence blogs no. that... that Tons of sense or what? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. This was actually like 14 cents. This is one of the longest blog posts that Seth has ever written. <laughs> He's one of these guys who, you know, he'll, he'll say this, I'll write 500 words and never really get it as I want it. And I, right. I look at a blog of Jeff and it's like, of uh, Seth rather. 
three yeah. sentences and he says yeah. something so profound. And I thought, how did he do that? Absolutely. And, and he does it every single day. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I know. And, and I, I certainly agree with, with what he said. There have been certain things within this situation we've been going through over the last month, month or two that have been disappointing and other things have been very encouraging. And we'll talk about that as well. But one disappointment is of course the panic which you know, has a payoff for certain people, I guess, to keep people in panic. And I saw a column the other day and I was very disappointed, Jeff, because this is a person who, while politically, I, I don't always agree with this person. I've always admired this person's, as you say, voice of reason. I've always mm -hmm. enjoyed their thought processes. And I was right. disappointed because this person said, and I'm paraphrasing here, maybe now is the time to panic. And I thought, oh, no, no, it's never a time to panic. You know, there was this, I remember in this movie, I don't remember which movie, but the person says, now is not the time to panic. And then, you know, something happened really bad right. the next time. I said, now is the time to panic, yeah, right? Now is the and perfect was, time to panic, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> never, no, oh, here's what, what this person meant. What this person was saying was, it hasn't been taken seriously enough, is what mm -hmm. this person said. Right. Now, whether you agree with that or not, good people can can have their different opinions. But I think what she meant was now is the time to, you know, be sure you're taking it seriously. Right now, is yeah. the time to do the things we need to do. Now is yeah. the time to see what is in control, our control and what isn't. OK, that's yeah. that's fine. I, I get that. But oh, my goodness, there's never a time to suggest panic. Why? Because panic by its very nature is an attachment. It's an emotional attachment to a situation. Mm -hmm. And as we know, because you teach this, Jeff, when you're acting out of emotion, now don't get me wrong, emotion's a great thing. You know, we right. emotion adds a lot to our lives. But when we when our emotions are driving us, when they're in control of us, we're never in a position to make a good decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so yeah. no, panic. That, I, I just was so disappointed when I saw that. Instead, let's look at as, you know, as you've mentioned, what can we control and what's mm -hmm. outside of our control and right. what we can control, first of all, is our attitudes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a rah, rah, motivational sense of the word, right? Attitude. But let's face it, our attitude does determine you know, pretty much everything that's going to to come about from that. So if your attitude is, OK, I, you know, I don't like the situation. It's not it's not what I would want to have happen. I don't prefer it. But this is what's happening now. How do we make the best of it? Let me ask you this. You know, I, I want to ask you a question. It's in two parts. First of all, setting the current environment aside, are you generally an optimist? I, I would read you as being somebody who's generally an optimist. Uh, I had to retrain myself to be. My first, I'd say, 35 years, uh, Jeff, no. I, I was, first of all, I was not an optimist. I was a pessimist and somebody who, now don't get me wrong, when I had confidence in myself in a certain uh, area, yeah, I was optimistic that way that I felt I'd succeed, but I had a lot more areas where I wasn't confident in myself. But, mm -hmm. but in terms of optimist or pessimist, I, turned, I tended to look at the bad side of things. I, I yeah. tended to look at the negative side of things. And I was very surprised. I was in a conversation with John Gordon, who's a remarkable writer writer and teacher sure. and yeah. he wrote the energy bus and, right, the right. and, and we both were talking about the fact that by our nature, we're not necessarily positive people. Hmm. And we do tend to see that. And we both, you know, we found out it retrained ourselves 
to be a positive person. So, you know, with me, it was when uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, who I'm sure you remember. Sure. So, yeah. uh, he sent me uh, Benjamin Franklin's book, The Autobiography. And it, within that book, there was a chapter that Ben Franklin wrote because at one time he realized that there were certain traits and characteristics he possessed that were not serving him, were not serving the people around him. You know, there were going to be uh, roadblocks on his way mm -hmm. to success. Now, there was no Dale Carnegie around at the time. So, you know, he right. was an inventor, Ben Franklin. So he invented his own personal development system. And so there were 13 traits and he would work on one trait a week. And I mean, just totally, really work on that trait. And then at the end of that week, he'd work on the second one, then the third one. And then after 13 weeks, he'd been through the course one time, then he'd repeat them and repeat. Now 13 times four are 52. So there are there, you get to go through the course four times in a year. And he found that at the end of that time, he improved upon those traits immeasurably. Why did the same thing as Ben? You know, I'm a, yeah. you know me, I'm a follower of a system, right? right. Uh, right. What system? The process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. So what I did is I took those areas that I were I was weak in and decided to turn them into strengths. And one of them was my attitude. And that was there. That was the first one, and, and it really had to do with gratitude mm -hmm. and looking at things in the most positive way I could. And again, I had to retrain my brain to do that. So if you ask me now, are you a positive person who looks at the good stuff? Yeah, I am. But that was not my nature. That was something right. I needed. To are you a control freak? By nature, I am. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, again, at that same period of time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and say, okay, Berg, you are not the general manager of the universe. God is. Yeah. And right. uh, there's certain things you cannot control. Right. And uh, that helped a, a real lot. But by my and, and that's something, by the way, that I have to that I have to continue to this day to really remind myself of. It, it's one of those things where because I'm not a control freak, I'm smart in one area. It's smart about how dumb I am. And I surround myself with people who make up for my deficiencies. I have people around me who I pay to be control freaks, but I'm not a control freak. And I think that actually helps me uh, be, in times of, of chaos and, and uh, confusion, because one of the things about control freaks is they don't deal very well when things are completely out of their control. And right now there's a lot that's out of control. And so right. to be able to look at it and say, okay, what can I control? And just focus on, on that is an important, important skill. That, that was one reason why I worked on that trade so hard. Yeah, sure. I, I absolutely was. I considered myself a benevolent control freak. You know, mm -hmm. if things would only work as I wanted them to, everything would be great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Life just doesn't work that way. So exactly. No, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's another angle to this uh, that you might be able to bring. And as I was thinking this through, you know, as in fact, somebody on my team said to me just this week and, and she's uh, in, in her late twenties. And she said, Jeff, one thing you need to understand is that, you know, when you look at the, at the big events of our day, so she said, for me, you know, the, the, the great recession of, uh, you know, 10 years back or so. So I was still living at home. It, it didn't really affect my day to day life all that much. 9-11, I was six, you know, so so uh, right. it, what's interesting now is that 
you and I, and I just want to speak to the millennials here for just a second, and you and I have been around long enough to see the Great Recession and 9-11 and the first Gulf War. We saw a president get shot. We saw terrorist attacks at the Olympic Games, you know, way back in in Germany. I, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot. So just a word to the younger people out there. Does it get easier to handle as you see, you know, global issues that arise that, that are that are very traumatic? Do you think it gets easier to handle over? time I, I i don't know if the feeling is easier as much as the feeling that you know if you will get past it you know it mm-hmm. it will go back to the way it was so you yeah. know when something and let's be technical here yucky happens okay right. it still feels lousy and one of the things that you know I've, I've always had an issue with in the the field of personal development is what i call a political correctness within the personal development field as though everything has got to be perfect all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Well, bad happens, well it's okay it's good because you know well yeah problem is good and, we, and that we'll see it in you know when we look back on it that it was a good thing things that happen to us typically do happen for a reason and but but with that comes afterwards there's that sort of oh you can never feel badly about something no of course things happen yucky things happen it, it's a lousy feeling and we can feel lousy it's okay you know mm-hmm. we can we can acknowledge that something does not feel good as it's happening mm-hmm. and and this is to what you said, we can also understand that we will get through it and things will come back and they'll probably come back better before and life will continue to advance as it always does. And, you know, until the next thing happens and then yes, we'll come back from that too. And it will still feel lousy when it happens. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, do you get used to a, to a feeling about, you know, it's, it's lousy, it's lousy. But we do know that, yes, there's going to there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel. It, we will get over this. Things will get back and we can we can feel secure in that knowledge. You know, and it's interesting that in the midst of that, though, as you say, and this ties back to something you said earlier, when we allow our emotion to rule the day, that it becomes a very, very difficult to have such a reasoned approach about the idea that it will get better and we're going to get through this. The more that we that we adopt that panic and let our emotion uh, take control, we're going to have a problem. But I also look at it based on something you just said. And, and you know, I'm just thinking about something that Solomon wrote about uh, 2,700 years ago when he said it's better to mourn than to dance. And there's a little hyperbole in that statement, but I think what he was trying to say is that there are lessons to be learned in times of adversity that you cannot learn in times of prosperity, and it is going to make you who you are. And this is a piece of advice that I gave actually to one of my own kids this week, was to look at it and say, it's not too early to start asking the question, not what will happen through this, but what will you become through this? It's not too early to start learning about yourself through this process. I think that's not a bad idea for people to say, how am I responding? How, how am I dealing with this? And how will I be a better person by the time I'm done? I, I love that. I love that. And it's so true. You know, what you don't want to do, and let's say we're not talking about this, but anything lousy that happens to someone, uh, what I what I just, you know, ask people to do is don't say to this person when they're in the midst of misery, you know, not to say, Hey, this is going to be great. You're going to look back on this one day, but no, when it's, when yeah. they're in the, the, that, the, the midst of a, of a horrible thing, you know, someone they love passes or just a real big disappointment or whatever it might be. It's just, you know, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Uh, is mm-hmm. there, 
can do for you and, and empathize with them and let them be with, with that. Now, there's also, of course, when you have a, a situation where you're leading someone or, you know, of course, with a, a child is to also help them see once that part is through to help them see where, you know, they are going to be able to benefit from that. But let's say when someone's going through any kind of grief or mourning, you know, put the positive thing, you know, of, the, of, of hey, let's, you know, put that aside and just, and, right. you know, empathize that, that yeah. person. So I, I think there's a time and place for everything, but yeah, absolutely. I, and I love, love what you just, what you just said. Yeah. It's, it's a really good time. I think to, to take the opportunity to say, how am I responding? And what is the best way to do that both for me and to the people in, in my life? You know, we're, we're at my church. We're, we're trying to uh, coordinate a, a blood drive because 60 percent of the nation's blood supply comes from blood drives at corporations or at churches or at civic organizations. Well, guess what? The churches and the businesses and the civic organizations are closed. And so, you know, we're going to see this real need for blood. You know, what what is it that we can do? And even in brainstorming through that and thinking that through, it lifts the spirit. Because it right. takes the focus off of me and how inconvenienced I am. And listen, I think, you know, there are people who are listening right now who are really going to struggle over the course of the next several weeks in, in very specific ways, either physically or having family members who are ill or uh, significant loss of income. Those things are going to happen. But there are also a whole lot of people like you and I, Bob, who are going to look at it and say, OK, is this going to ding my business? Yeah, it's going to ding my business. Am I going to be okay? Yes, I am. Not so the person who changes the sheets in the hotels or sells, you know, tickets at the ballpark or or the TSA agents that are going to get laid off. There's no question about it. There are a lot of people who are going to be much worse off. So starting with that gratitude for uh, where you are right now, regardless of your situation, but then asking the question, how do I lend a hand? How do I help right now? And even if it's nothing, and I want to just chat a little bit about some go-giver uh, principles here, because uh, what would the go-giver say about what we're doing right here? One of the things about the go-giver series is it's so outwardly focused. When you think wow. about it, and for those of you who are listening who are not aware, the go-giver, a series of books that Bob has, has penned, has co-authored that are just phenomenal attitude books that apply to all areas of life, but they're all outward focused. And so the opportunity now, even by that word of encouragement, that handwritten note, that telling somebody that, that you love them, even by phone, that you've never actually said those words before, what a powerful, powerful opportunity. Where else can we look to the go-giver for advice on how to navigate through these times? Uh, well, and I, you know, I appreciate those, those very kind words. I, I think that really is the, the beginning of it, that you move from that I focus or me focus to what we call that other focus. Uh, and you ask yourself, how can I make another person's life better? And I would even, uh, you know, think of, of writing down all the, because as you know, when we write it down, it, it, we uh, quantify it and it's, it, it's there in front of us and write down, what can I do that can make someone's life better? Uh, who can I call? Who can I write? Who can I text? Can I share my knowledge with someone who might need it? For example, let, you know, we know a lot of parents now are having to, to homeschool their kids, right? I right. mean, literally there, there's no school. Do I have a certain knowledge in, in a certain area that I can actually do a webcast uh, where I can have 
parents bring their children in and, and watch and the parents can watch too, or the parents can maybe take some time to catch up doing things they want as I teach the kids. Uh, you're right. So, um, what, you know, how can we take the, how can we utilize maybe our sphere of influence and the people we know to set up some of those things, even for other people. And I, and I love your idea about that blood drive, get, mm-hmm. get together a group of people to, 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 to do that drive and to help a lot of people. So I think really, if you just write down all the different things you can do in the different areas, that is just such a, you know, a positive contribution to, you know, to, to the world around you. You know, I, I'm just I'm, I'm feeling convicted and excited at the same time right now, Bob, even as you're talking about that, because, you know, I, I've lived in the neighborhood that I live in right now for about four years and I casually know my neighbors, but not particularly well. And this is probably not the time we're going to set up a game night with them. Uh, it's not the right environment. But is there the opportunity just to let them know that they're loved? And you know, years ago, I read a book called The Art of Neighboring. And one of the things that the book asked you to do was draw a little map of your street and then fill in the names of every uh, everybody that you could identify. And uh, yeah. we, Karen, my wife, Karen, and I quickly referred to it as the map of shame uh, for our recognition. There were so many names that we could not fill out. But what an opportunity even right now, uh, you know, yeah. if, if if you're at home and you like to bake pie, bake pie, drop it on the doorstep and just say, just want to, you know, I'm thinking about you and and make the, you know, just make somebody's day today. But then also make the inroads into relationships when we can sit down and have a game night down the road. So there are so many things if we're willing to get outside of ourselves. And as I say, I'm convicted about this, but I'm also excited about this because there are opportunities in times of adversity that you're not going to get in time of prosperity. Yeah. Oh, that, that's very true. And, uh, you know, you, you also brought up, I think, a great point when you talked about the baking the pies, because we all have, just as we talk about in business, when we talk about having the, uh, and Mike Littman coined this term, assets of value, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is, that's sort of those, those strengths, traits, talents, characteristics that we bring to the table that allow us to add value to the marketplace that, you know, for which obviously we're going to be financially rewarded. In this case, though, your assets of value are anything that you are good at, any talent that you have, any strength that you have that can somehow help another person during this situation. And whether it's, again, baking pies, teaching a, a course, entertaining or, or doing something that you can do for someone else, you know, we can reach right into that and, and, and utilize that outward. Uh, just one last question here, uh, Bob. You're you're an introspective guy. What do you think you will have learned? We will have learned as a nation, as a world uh, when the dust settles on all of this? You know, there, there are things that we will learn and things that I kind of wish we would learn that I'm not sure that we're going to. <laughs> I, I get uh, that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And but I, I, I think we we will learn of the that that we're probably even more interconnected than we think we are. Yeah, because this this more than anything else has said, hey, you know, there's there's no one immune at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, something. So I, I, you know, I think I, I hope it will cause greater responsibility to be expected and accepted. And, um, but you know, whether it, whether it does or not, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I hope there'll be that once this is over and I, I really think things are going to come back and things are going to come back stronger than ever. And, and, and I hope people have appreciation and gratitude for that when it, right. when it does. 
Uh, you know, I, I also, you know, I had read something and I'm sure you read this as well, where, uh, it, it, it was a tweet. I think it said something like 60 years ago, our parents were asked to go to war. We're being asked to stay home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, so we're grateful for that, you know, as well, if we're looking yeah. for something to, you know, to be grateful for. Yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know this is a little bit, I'm getting a little bit squishy on this one, but, but I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, when I look at what's going on with this virus, what is a virus? Well, it's a network. And what you just said about the idea that we're, we're going to learn and realize how deeply interconnected we are. Well, how do, how does a virus spread? It spreads through a network. It's a connection of one to another. Well, what about that idea of the kindness virus? What about the idea that that just the kindness that I invest in somebody's life when I am not thinking about myself, when I'm willing to to intentionally uh, speak positive into their life? Is that a virus? Could that be a virus? Could that work on a network? And I think that now more than ever is exactly what we need to do, whether that kindness is to your spouse, your kids, your parents, the people who are living in the home right now and you're spending a lot of time with them. And so you're having to really uh, double down on what it's going to take, but also just the kindness for people around us and in our world. It's a great opportunity if we take advantage of it. I think you've got your next video right there, uh, Jeff. <laughs> Nothing squishy about that at all. That was absolutely right. That was wonderful. And that's a message that we all need to hear. And that's when I can't wait to retweet and, and repost because absolutely, you know, there, there's, there, let's, let's say it this way, there's going to be a virus. We have a choice of what virus we can instigate, if you will. And yeah. if you will instigate a virus of kindness, you know, how do you do it? You spread it right through that network and it's a worldwide network. So I, I just love what you said. All right, I'll go to work on the uh, on the next video post, Bob Berg. I, it's it's always it's good to talk to you under any circumstances, but I just feel a much better than I did a half hour ago. Thank you so much for taking the time for sharing your insight and your wisdom and your calm voice in a weird time. Really, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Likewise, and thank you. And there you have it. Wise, wise words from Bob. And I just want to challenge you not just to say, oh, that was nice. I want you to just challenge yourself right now to say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do right now? What is one thing that I can do right now that is in my control? Whether that's something big like starting a blood drive, whether it's something small like saying I love you to somebody, what is something that you can do right now? The purpose of this podcast today is not just to get you feeling better, it's to get you to act better. So what can you do right now? Take an action to improve the world. Thanks as always for listening. We appreciate so much the opportunity to chat. And at the end of the day, uh, we're going to come out stronger. We absolutely are. Uh, You'll have the opportunity in the, the lives of the people around you to change their world. 